It's time for the Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis. Oh, yes. And what was that beginning, middle, and end part again? Streaming online at 1017thehammer.com. All right, sounds good. Let's do this. Uh, he lives for this month, man. I'll tell you what. And uh, now that the cars are actually able to get out on the track, I'd love to hear from him. See what he's seen the uh, first couple of days down at the track. So Nick's going to join us here in about 15 minutes. Very much looking forward to that. But why not get started like we always do? Need to know news. Here's your need to know news. Should pod that up. It's the whole point of having the bumper there. Uh, White Sox got best performance of the season out of Lance Lynn. They needed it, too. 8-3 to three to final. Lance Lynn goes seven innings, one earned, seven strikeouts, no walks. That's what you're talking about. Man has just been terrible about allowing runners on the base paths. Luis Robert Jr. did it again, baby. Fourth straight game with a homer. Berger, two for four homered as well. Gavin Sheets had a three-run homer to boot. Sox rack up 16 hits, left 10 on base, too. They chased Bieber after four and two-thirds. Bieber hadn't allowed more than seven hits in a start. Sox got 12 off of him. He also hadn't allowed more than three runs earned in a start all season, and the Sox tagged him for five. Game two going to be tonight, 8-10. Sox a minus 135 fave. Clevenger takes the mound versus Peyton Battenfield, who is 0-4, got a 4-4-5 ERA. Cleveland hasn't Won a game all year when Battenfield starts. That's always a great omen. Uh, Win not going to be much of a help tonight. Uh, crossing from third to first base about 10 miles an hour. Cubs indoors at Houston again last night. Not so great. 7-3 to the final. Mervis hit a homer. So did Suzuki. Steele takes his first L of the season. Six innings, five hits, five earned, eight strikeouts with uh, just one walk. So the Astros will look for the sweep tonight. Drew Smiley stands in their way as he takes on J.P. France. Smiley's done a pretty good job this year, earned run department. Since his first start against the Reds, which was somewhat of a disaster, he gave up six. He's yet to allow more than two earned in a start. France, well, he's new to this thing, but he's got two starts. He's been very good, allowed just one run in a solo in a, from a solo homer. That's it. Just three hits. In each of his two starts, uh, the Astros are a decided favorite tonight at minus 170. A much better performance out of Purdue's men's golf team in round three today. And uh, Lord knows they needed it. Round one wasn't too bad. They were five strokes off of the cut. Yesterday did not go well as we told you. So it didn't look like they were going to make the NCAA tournament. Fifth spot is currently at 29 under. That is Clemson. And your Boilermakers, still some golfers out on the course, are sitting at four under. So it's a wide margin there. 
They were a bit better today, although down the stretch here, it's kind of come apart for some of them. Uh, Sekni finishes in 30. Oh, he's got two holes left, but he's sitting at 33rd at four under. Yeah, it's just been a, uh, it's been tough out there. Boy, they had a whole bunch of guys that were all like four or five under earlier when I checked at the top of the hour, like the two o'clock hour, and everybody sagged back to about even. Nelson Tani was in the uh, top 25 there and bogeyed the last three holes. Dentino bogeyed three of the last five. It's been rough. They started on the back nine and were great. Birdies all over the place. And at the, the 12 under that they had put up there, they were looking at like uh, the third best score on the course at the time. They sagged down to seven under. Yeah, it just uh, it did not come together for Purdue. They're not the only ones, too. Um, it's close right now, but 14th ranked Texas A&M might miss out. They're a stroke off. 23rd ranked San Diego State is currently out, but they uh, got, I think they got one or two golfers left. And one guy left uh, on 18, and he's got a birdie for them to make it into the top five. A&M's got one guy left on the 18th. He's got a birdie to get them into the top five. Georgia Southern at 26th. Uh, they're not uh, going to make it. They're in the clubhouse at 28 under. And that'll be tied for six. So you had some highly ranked teams that just did not do well in this uh, in this tournament. Clemson was unranked, and they've snuck in as of right now. So, uh, But they do have one guy left on 18 here. Oh, boy. This I, I this would be horrible. It's kid double bogeyed 17, and they've held on to a one-stroke lead. So if he were to bogey this, and then any of this guy from A&M or San Diego State to get a birdie, Clemson would drop out. Ties will be resolved. I don't understand how they will resolve those ties, but it ends up being a three-way. But I can't imagine going like double bogey and then bogey and then costing yourself. Ugh. That'd be terrible. So as of right now, it looks like Purdue probably finishes 12th out of 14. Uh, not the finale that you wanted from what was a talented team. Tough pill to swallow. There you go, though. That is today's Need to Know News. All right. Uh, another. It's another 500 night on the uh, gambling picks yesterday. We got to get back after this thing here. Let's do it with our friends uh, from DraftKings offering great stuff for you. A no sweat Wednesday MLB bet for you to go big on if you like to. Um, a super boost tonight in the uh, Celtics and Heat game. Tatum and Butler twenty five points each, boosted to plus one twenty five. Uh, also a no sweat same game parlay every day for the NBA playoffs and that thirty three percent same game parlay X boost for you to use. And again the stepped up one hundred percent. Uh, MLB same game parlay for each leg added uh, in baseball. So you got a lot of stuff to choose from here tonight. Let me run down uh, a few of the things in the research here that I liked. Players that I liked, you can play them as parlays. You can get into um, singles, you know, whatever you like. It's all up to you. We'll start with uh, Luis Arez. He is just so good down there in Miami. He should be at least on your card as a hit tonight. 
He has done this, what, uh, 386 on the year? 84% of all the games he's got a hit in. So, again, that's probably something you need to go ahead and parlay here a little bit. If you're looking for another hit, I, I would probably take Otani. 308 off of uh, righties, and he's hitting six of his last eight games. That's another bat that's hot right there. My new market that I love right now is hits, runs, and RBIs. Nolan Arenado, over one and a half, hit, runs, and RBIs combined. Hitting five and five starts against Milwaukee this year. In ten straight starts overall, he is hot. I am a little bit nervous about that, though. He's probably the best option there, but that doesn't mean that I am 100% in love with that. He gets Corbin Burns tonight. He is 200 all, you know, he hits 200 lifetime against Burns. Burns has been hot. He's coming off back to back, no. Uh, he comes off a uh, two-hitter in six innings uh, against Kansas City. He hasn't allowed more than two earned in his last five starts. And really only given up around like four hits on average in his last five starts over six innings. So I still like him, though. You ride that hot hand. Total bases. How can you not get in on Luis Robert Jr.? I, I feel you got to get in on Luis tonight. Four straight homers. Can he make it five? Oof. I, mean, I feel like you got to float that one a little bit, right? You ride the hot hand. Peyton Battlefield, or Battenfield, like I told you at the top here, has not been good. He's 0 for 4, 4.45 ERA. He's given up a home run in each of uh, four of his last five games. So I feel like I gotta I gotta jump on Luis here. I don't think he would be a bad bet either for your hits, runs, and RBIs. That's a guy I'm looking for. I, again, I, I love this hits, RBIs, and uh, runs thing here. Because you get one you know, one hit on base, and you can knock out one of those other two categories with just a hit. Lord's Guriel tonight. Diamondbacks, over one and a half on the bases. Hitting six, uh, last six starts, nine of his last 11, two for two against Oakland. Oakland. A 344 ISO versus right-handed pitching in 2023 so far. These are all numbers that we love. And come on, it's so easy. It is so easy to fade the Oakland Athletics. They're going to put a guy out there tonight in uh, Medina. 0 for 2, 8.18 ERA. The whip is 1.45. He's gotten two starts, Texans and the Angels, or not Texans, uh, the Rangers and the Angels, sorry. 
Gave up three to Texas, gave up seven to L.A. He's given up three homers in those two starts. A combined 13 hits in those 11 innings. That's a guy to take advantage. So, I'm on Guriel. I'll float a little uh, separately on Luis Robert, but I'll I'll take Guriel on the bases. I will take Arenado on the hits, runs, RBIs. And uh, Arez, yeah, from uh, Miami. Mister, is he leading the league in, in batting average right now? He might be. Put those all together. That's my play tonight. Let's go. All right, hey, we're going to take a timeout. Don't you go anywhere. Nick Yeoman is coming up next. Plus, got a big-time announcement for the show, the station. You don't want to miss out on that, all right? We got big stuff coming. Hang tight. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 101. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. My fault. Thank you to uh, Joseph who texted me on the Hammerhead Hotline. It's it's not a res, it's a rise. I didn't realize that it was um it, I I'm terrible with pronunciation sometimes. So I'm sorry. I will endeavor to do better on that. Hey, we're going to go over to the Hammerhead Hotline right now. Uh we're going to bring in uh, you can hear uh this guy on uh IndyCar Radio. He is one of the finest products to ever come out of Lafayette Jeff High School and one hell of a model American. It is Nick Yeoman with us here. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to be able to live up to that intro, Jerry, but I'm uh, <laughs> fantastic, my friend. Uh, how are you? Uh, we're doing great over here. First off, uh, we've been teasing a little bit of announcement. I feel like as you're here, this is probably a great time to bring this up. But uh, the Indianapolis 500 coming up here uh, in a couple of weeks and it is on a new home. You will hear it right here on 1017 The Hammer. You will hear this guy back on the hammer. Welcome back, buddy. Congratulations. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I'm uh, I'm really excited, and I think uh, listeners of The Hammer are really going to get a kick out of our uh, our 500 broadcast on Memorial Day weekend. You get to hear me. You also get to hear the voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman, who's been a pit reporter with us for the last four or five years. So uh, got some nice little Pippicanoo County, West Lafayette, Lafayette ties there that I think folks are really going to dig. And, of course, it's it's the greatest spectacle in racing. It's hard to not get caught up in all the excitement. So we're uh, really, really excited that uh, folks will be able to hear it right there on 101.7 The Hammer. I'll tell you what, I'll be listening. I'll probably forget at one point uh, having uh, a cold one or something. I'll be like, I'll hear you and be like, wow, Bobby Buckets just sounds like he's gone through some stuff. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we're going to have to find a way to get Bobby Riddell into the broadcast, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have some fun with that. We'll just we'll read. We'll sorry, Jake Query. Uh, you'll have to go by uh, Bobby Buckets for the entire broadcast. That's just. I, I'm it. thinking maybe I can get Kelly Kitchell in turn number two. If we're going to have me and Kitch in turns one and two, it may be fun. Kitch would make a great uh, like uh, guy in the pits. He really would. Yeah. He'd do yeah, great. That's that's he's his changing element. Changing tires and jacking the cars up. <laughs> he doesn't need to jack. He'll just lift it up one-handed, no problem. <laughs> he's got that kind of strength. Well, all right, so yesterday, look, cars were out for maybe like a second. You got to look at them and everything, too. The rain kind of wreaked havoc yesterday. Uh, did get out on uh, the track today. So kind of give me uh, you know, your take. What have you seen? What have you been hearing over the first couple of days here down at IMS? Yeah, actually just got off the air on IndyCar Radio with our online stream over the last three hours, and it's been a busy three hours because, as you touched on yesterday, it wasn't. It was so frustrating because it wasn't a downpour that completely washed the day, but it was just enough rain to wet the track. And, of course, you can't, unfortunately, go racing at 225 miles per hour on a wet racetrack. So every time they got the track dry, 
Mother Nature would come in with another system. So it was very frustrating. But what that did, Jared, is it puts a lot of these teams behind the eight ball because they now lost an entire day of getting to work those setups and gather data and make those cars a little bit faster, find those tenths, hundreds, thousands of a second. But they weren't able to do that yesterday. So the last three hours have been very, very busy. Uh, some familiar names that you would expect. Scott Dixon's the fastest right now. Alex Pillow has shown some speed. Will Power has as well. Uh, but it's been busy. A lot of drivers turning a ton of laughs here over the last couple hours. Yeah, I know it's been a little bit breezy up here today, too. Uh, how was the uh, track conditions well, wind-wise here? Yeah, it's kind of come and gone, and that's uh, you know not ideal. Uh, the drivers, I mean, when you're driving 225 miles per hour, that stiff breeze, you know, it, it it feels a lot different than maybe when you're going down the interstate at 65. All of a sudden, those sudden movements will uh, will really throw you for for uh, quite a ride. But it's been kind of back and forth. The wind sock over the scoring pile it will pick up, and then it'll die back down. But uh, the nice thing is the temperature has been pretty consistent to allow them really to get some good data from these engines and the tires. That of course, uh, you know, those are those are the powerhouses in terms of making speed around Indianapolis. We're, we're talking with Nick Yeoman here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. I I have a mixed mixed feelings about w- with the practice and everything they go through with the setups. Nick is part of me wants them to have all the different seasons that Indiana will throw at you in the month of May because then that allows you to prepare for just about anything. But at the same time. Um, you know, I think you'd probably like some kind of consistency so you can dial in, you know, your, your setup here. Uh, in your estimation, what's better? Is it, is it good that they get some of these days here where the weather's a little bit of a wild card? Or you just think that, hey, it would just be a whole lot nicer if we could just have some kind of partly cloudy skies, a, a light breeze, and that'd be that? I, I think it would be ideal if you could have it consistent throughout all two weeks. Like, if you were to guarantee me, the conditions on race day and most importantly qualifying day were going to be the same as these practice days, then yeah, that would probably be ideal. But because, as you know, I mean, Mother Nature can wake up one day in, in Indiana and the weather's, you know, one way and next it's drastically different, then you're probably asking for things to, uh, to, to really get a lot of different uh, circumstances to work with to get these cars uh, to handle different circumstances when we go qualifying. Because, you know, I've seen it plenty of times where we have a beautiful week of practice and then all of a sudden, the bottom falls out on the temperature for qualifying, and now the track drives a heck of a lot different, despite all four corners being just the same as they were a couple days earlier. So, yeah, it's, uh, it is always the challenge in May of matching the weather and finding uh, the quicker way around this racetrack. What are some of the early storylines that we have here uh, developing, Nick, uh, fans to, to watch for here? I mean, uh, do we have any kind of interesting rookies here? Are there, are there any teams? Uh, in contention for certain things. Uh, what are some of the main storylines you've been watching early on? Yeah, I think the big thing is uh, you've got two teams that I, I think are really going to battle for the race win. They come from Chip Ganassi Racing and then Errol McLaren. And then you mentioned, I didn't I didn't mention Team Penske, uh, who's usually so strong. They're kind of ones the ones to watch because they've struggled the last two or three years to find pace and to get their cars up front. They've got some great drivers in like Scott McLaughlin, Will Power, and Joseph Newgarden, who's a two-time IndyCar champion. New Garden's never won the Indy 500, and Team Penske has struggled. So watching to see if those drivers improve and they get those cars a little bit faster. But I think, by and large, everybody's looking at two teams. It's Chip Ganassi Racing and their four drivers, Errol McLaren with their four. A lot of wins, a lot of experience on both sides of those teams. I, right now, early on, if I had to put a, you know money on it, I'd be betting on one of those two teams to win the 500 come Sunday. 
Is there a shot for a rookie this year? It just it rarely happens. Uh, but is there somebody in the field that you think uh, is you know at least warrants attention? Uh, watching them uh, early on here for the 500. I would be shocked, honestly. I, I don't think it is a tremendously strong rookie class. You've got three of them: uh, Augustine Canapino, who is a he's a 30 year old from uh, from Argentina. He doesn't have a lot of open wheel experience. Uh, but he, he's just kind of taking it slowly, getting up to speed. And then you've got two guys who have, have run in the uh, the Indy Next Series, which is one step below IndyCar, in uh, Benjamin Peterson and Stingray Rob, the best name in all of motorsports. But even those two, just I don't think there's the experience there uh, to expect either one of those drivers to, to necessarily win the race. I think best case for a rookie, uh, honestly, Jared, is to just find your way into the top 15. And, uh, boy, if you, you catch a caution at the right time, Couple guys crash in front of you. Maybe you come away with the top ten. But I'll be honest with you, I, I don't see a rookie winner coming out of this year. Well, the last time we had a rookie, that's the that's the exact. Uh, I, I'm blanking on the name, and I know this because we talked to Stingray about it on Monday. The last time we had a rookie win the Indy 500, it was a um, uh, what? It was one of those weird fuel kind of lap things. Yeah. And made it in on. It got lucky on it, right? Yeah, it was Alexander Rossi for yes. the 100th running seven years ago. And you're right. I mean that. That's the beauty of it is, is sure, everyone thinks, well, it's just it's a 500-mile sprint race, and whoever's got the fastest car is going to drive to the front and win the race. But you're right. If a caution comes out at a, at a certain time, all of a sudden some cars that maybe aren't as fast, drivers that aren't experienced, you can win races with strategy. Alexander Rossi did it perfectly, saving enough fuel and pretty much running out of fuel across the start-finish line to win the 100th Indianapolis 500. So if you're one of those underdogs, that's probably you've got to kind of think outside the box game plan a little bit differently so it, it can be done there's no doubt and i feel like if you're a rookie you have the leverage to be able to risk it there right i mean you're not expected to win a lot of races uh you know hopefully you can get a couple of top tens in the season uh, if you're going to roll the dice this is a place to roll the dice here if you end up in you know like 20 something if um you know that's maybe where most people expected you to finish anyway or you give yourself a chance i I just why i feel like you know rookies are if you're looking for a long shot maybe there's somebody in that field and you just see if there's somebody that's somewhat competing that's maybe willing to take that kind of chance yeah and here's the beauty about being rookies in indianapolis and it's the old saying there are guys that have hit the wall and there are guys who are still yet to hit the wall rookies have never done it so they don't know what you can't do and sometimes that's good. Sometimes they can be a little overly aggressive and find uh, those extra places and make those passes and those moves that they know or they haven't learned yet that maybe they're a little too risky. Uh, but everybody finds that edge, and most rookies will eventually as well. So it, it's always fascinating to watch the newcomers for the first time, especially today, get up to speed and turn laps at 225, 230 miles per hour. I'm sure it's uh, quite eye-opening for all of those guys. All the pageantry, all the stuff that happens over the next couple of weeks, practices, uh, the race itself, everything goes into the race. Nick, what's your favorite part of uh, May when it comes to IMS, and, and why is it trying to sneak down to watch uh, DJ Shaq, uh, Shaquille O'Neal uh, in the snake pit? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's got to be up there, right? I mean, I wish my snake pit days are long in the rearview mirror, unfortunately. I'm always quite jealous of those that are going to the EDM concert and have no idea that a race is even going on on Sunday. <laughs> so weird. They, uh, they, they jam out. But, um, no, honestly, Jared, my, it, it's all the pre-race festivities. Seeing the Purdue All-American Marching Band march down the front straightaway, and they'll accompany uh, Jim Cornelson, who's, of course, you know, sings the anthem at the, at the Blackhawks games 
uh, for, for so many years to accompanying mm-hmm. him doing uh, Back Home Again in Indiana is always really special. The playing of taps and just the buildup to the start of the race. You know, I mean, I, this will be my 14th 500 broadcast, and I've been going to this race for a couple decades, but that stuff still gives me goosebumps on race day morning. And, uh, man, I can't wait. About a week and a half away, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, I saw your uh, Twitter, by the way. Uh, you got to hang out with Coach Walters. I know he was doing the rounds down there, checking out the Purdue logo on, uh, I can't remember whose car it was, but uh, I remember uh, uh, Schultz saying that it was a, uh, the, the guy was a big uh, Buckeyes fan. But you got to hang out with Coach Walters a little bit. Tell me about that. Yeah, I was so bummed for him because it was, it was him and a handful of players and a, and a bunch of the new staff. And, of course, it rained all day, and unfortunately they, they never got to see a car turn a single lap. But, yeah, I did uh, did get a chance to get up there and meet Coach Walters in victory lane. Uh, man, let me tell you something. He's cool. He's cooler than I'll ever be, Jared. He's cooler than you'll ever be. I mean, there is a certain <laughs> That's a low swagger. bar. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm not really saying a whole lot for either one of us. But there is a swagger to this guy that I'm really excited to see how that translates to ross Age Stadium in the fall. You know me. I'll be there uh, fired up to watch the Boilers uh, come fall and uh, and come you know football season, but uh, very cool to meet him, and I'm excited for kind of this next era of Purdue football with Ryan Walters. And I, I'm surprised you didn't try talking him into getting into one of those things, right? Because they do the experience and everything too. It'd get him to turn a lap or two. Listen, man, I think the guy's fearless. I bet he would have. In fact, Graham Rahal was the one he got to meet. Graham's a big Ohio State Buckeye fan. I'm guessing Coach Walters probably would have had no problem jumping behind the wheel of Graham's car and at least taking it out for a spin. Yeah, you know, just got to relive those Rondell moments, and that's the kind of speed you need, I think, to relive those Rondell moments. Uh, Nick Yeoman, he is a part of the uh, Indy Car broadcast team. Look, if, if fans want to tune in and listen to you during these practices, and so, how, how do they do that? Yeah, you can go to IndyCarRadio.com. We've got a couple different streaming platforms uh, that you can listen to it on your phone, on your laptop, uh, but lots of different options. And then, again, really excited that uh, along with those online options, you're going to be able to tune in. 1017 the hammer on Memorial Day weekend for the Indianapolis 500 the 107th running man it's going to be fantastic but yeah we'd love to have folks join us online throughout the course of the week uh, for Indy 500 practice and for qualifying coming up this weekend and make sure you follow Nick on uh, Twitter as well because he does a great job of tweeting out the things that you need to know uh, and Lord knows who he runs into like Coach Walters uh, in the pits uh, he does a great job of covering all this stuff very excited to have him on. For the broadcast, again, Memorial Day, we'll have you covered. The Indianapolis 500's new home is right here on 101.7 The Hammer. Nick Yeoman from that radio team, buddy. It's always a pleasure talking a little racing with you, buddy. You know it, my man. Have a great rest of your day. You take care, Nick. All right, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back. You know we got more of the Hammer Down Show coming up for you next on Back on the Hammer Down Show on 101.7 The Hammer and 101.7TheHammer.com. Big thank you to Nick Yeoman. And, yes, the announcement, it, it, that's what it is. Boom. Indy 500 right here on 101.7 The Hammer. We'll have you covered next Sunday. You'll hear Nick. You'll hear uh, Rob Blackman's on that uh, call as well as he said, you know, uh, Jake Query on the So, yeah, the whole crew, we got you covered for the race right here on 101.7 The Hammer. All right, let's transition to some Purdue news here. We don't have like a massive amount of Purdue news. Just a lot of little nuggets here. Little nuggets. Um, Zach Eady talking to press today. Uh, LFI's uh, Bree Shackelford uh, tweeting out, uh, Zach says he will make a decision closer to the deadline, which is the end of the month. We can expect that announcement around the 31st, which, again, is the cutoff. So you may have to wait until, I mean, that's what, Tuesday, Wednesday? 
somewhere in there? I would suspect we find out somewhere Monday, Tuesday. Just because if the paperwork gets filed and all that, you know, that is, that stuff tends to get leaked. And you're not waiting until like that Wednesday to make sure that you get, you know, like the last second. At least I don't think you, you shouldn't. But we talked about that, that you probably, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, time to think it over. You get basically a week to think it over and then you got to make a decision. You know, you get a you you wrap up the combine into the weekend, then you're gonna get all that feedback next week, and then you get about a week to mull it over. So we'll, we'll we wait, we wait. We talked yesterday about that text message that's going around that's just very fake. Nothing official yet. Uh, Kyle Charters with a a great point here. So baseball is going to open up their very last series of the regular season. They're hosting Nebraska. They start this one on Thursday night. You go Thursday, Friday, Saturday for this. Saturday will be senior day. Still a chance to get into the Big Ten tournament. They can still get to that last seed. Two passes, Charters points out. You sweep the Cornhuskers. Or you have to win one more game this weekend than Michigan State does. Who's hosting Indiana. Michigan State is 15-3 and at home this year, as he points out. But they've also hit some hard times. They've been swept in back-to-back weekends. IU is the top team right now in the Big Ten. So can the Hoosiers do you a favor this weekend? But... It's all a moot point unless you can beat the Cornhuskers. And it's not looking great for rain on Saturday as well, or on uh, on Friday. You need that out of the forecast. You need all three of these games. You need to win them. I just, I, yes, there's a scenario where, hey, Michigan State gets one out of two, whatever, and you can win two out of three, even if it you know rains and, and, and you're good to go. But I'd hate to take a game off the table to be able to do that. So, but that's the situation that Coach Goff and company find themselves in. Sweep the Cornhuskers, or win one more game this weekend than Michigan State when they take on Indiana. That's it. Not a big deal, right? Uh, I'm also continuing to be impressed with how quickly the south end zone and the tunnel project are going up. Uh, more tweets on that. It's just, it's looking great. They're working overnights at times, too. I believe goldenblack.com had a story that said that they were on schedule so far. I just love that the south end zone is going to connect with the two... Um, you know, grandstands area that you're not going to go all the way around the shoe if you if you need to. I, I like that. I think it helps with the flow with everything. I think fans are going to want to go and check out the new South End Zone and what it's all about. And I'm glad it connects at both sides. You don't have to go all the way around. Maybe that's good. It's looking great. I wasn't sure they were going to get this whole thing up in time, but I mean, it's. 
It's going to be different. It's going to change kicking into that end zone as well. Tunnel looks great. I keep on forgetting they're putting, um, they, they took out the, the pro store there. They were putting in that, uh, it's like a nutrition cafe bar thing, whatever you call it. So it's looking good. If you read the Golden Black article, they say the South End Zone Tunnel are expected to be ready for the first game. The Dining and Nutrition Center won't be, which was expected. So we're targeting a July 1st, 2024 actual operation date for that, said Mike Bobinski in the article. It'll be pretty much buttoned up well by the fall. But the fact they're getting all the out outside stuff done and on time because that's a massive project out there in the south end zone and you got to get all that i i'll be honest with you i don't know how quickly turf can work to get because i mean there's a good up to like maybe like the first 20 yards or so all that grass and stuff is covered up now i'm not i'm great with the the turf stuff like they are but i gotta assume they gotta get that stuff out of there at one point so all that stuff can take root, but it's nice to see that and them here. They're they're not concerned about this thing um, dragging on here. The weather's been good. They've been able to get this stuff done. It's looking great. I can't wait till it's finished. I really did. I really did love the renderings. I really did. And also rumors here too that a um, a portal commitment is incoming. Let's go. Not sure what that would be, but uh, most of the blogs here have got all the official visits that are lined up here for the uh, for the weekend, and there are a, a large amount of them. And it's just it's good to see, man. Like you, you heard Nick talk about how much uh, he liked talking with Coach Walters in that energy. It really seems like it's coming together here. So we got a lot of Purdue Nuggets here. Nothing's like um, a big major story. It's just these little these little updates keeping us going here. And I dig it. I mean, it's been a heck. It has been a heck of an athletic season. Which again, we'll you know, wrap up here with, uh, with with baseball, and then we're waiting till August. <laughs> we're waiting till August until we get anything else. So drink it in while you can. If you and if you do have the opportunity to get out there and support baseball either uh, tomorrow, Friday, if the weather holds, and uh, and Saturday, because uh, it's the last time I'm going to be able to root on Boilermakers for the next couple of months. We're going to take our final break. We're going to come right back. We'll wrap it up, things we missed, and more. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show. Hey, welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Been a great show today. Uh, we had Nick Yeoman on a little bit earlier. We also had that news that uh, 1017 The Hammer will be carrying the Indianapolis 500 for you this year. So this is where you'll be able to listen to it right here on our little old station. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, we'll get uh, Nick's interview posted uh, along with the rest of the show after the show. You can always find it on our webpage, uh, 1017thehammer.com, on our Facebook page. We're at one oh, uh, we're at The Hammer Sports, sorry, on, uh, on Twitter. You can hear it there. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, everywhere else you get uh, podcasts, we're on there as well. And you can always listen. There you go. 
Uh, let's get into some of the things that uh, we may have missed. I did not touch on Pat McAfee getting his uh, new deal with ESPN. Congratulations to him. It is amazing what he has done from where that thing started uh, to where it has grown into. Now, and he was on the station for uh, for a while when they had the syndication deals. Things changed, um, you know, with his affiliations and, and what was going on. And, you know, that happens. I know some people love him. Some people do not like him. But you got to respect what he's been able to build basically from scratch. So he'd be taking the show and everything. And the thing I love about him is he takes care of the boys, too. Not everybody in that position would do that. That's what makes me like him, to be honest. He takes care of the he takes care of the rest of the squad. He gets it. So good for him. Wishing the best of luck. I don't think he's going to be. I don't think they're going to keep everything on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and uh, in the ESPN YouTube account. I don't think they're going to do anything. Uh, you would think this would get syndicated on the radio, but as of right now, it doesn't seem like that. Great news for gamers, uh, EA Sports will bring back college football next year. The game is coming back. They partnered with one team on the NIL rights in compensation for any eligible player who opts in. If they do not opt in, well, they're just going to create a generic avatar. I'm like, oh, isn't that what you kind of did last time? And then we were talking about NIL. I, it is what it is. But the game is coming next year. Last Last time this game was on shelves, Denard Robinson was the cover athlete. That's how long it's been. Boy, this thing's going to sell so many copies. It was always be- I always liked it better than Madden. I always found it more fun than Madden. I have to go back and buy a Xbox or I got the I got the Switch. Can I play it on my Switch? Daughter's got the Switch. Maybe I'll be able to do that. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, I am very excited about that. It's about time we brought that back. Uh, other things that we uh, may have missed, Tennessee's going to turn their little party town even to a, uh, more of a party town. Uh, they've got some new some new gig where they're going to put in a whole entertainment district right next to the right next to the riverfront there on the other side of Nyland Stadium. That should be fun. Good for them. They're talking about it's the first of its kind. I'm like, bro, uh, it is not. There are plenty of plenty of places that have a large party strip with all kinds of stuff. But they're going to build like a hotel and all this outdoor dedicated stuff. It's you know, it's definitely cool. Uh, one team that's not going to get all the cool accoutrement that uh, they were hoping for was the Arizona Coyotes, who um, Tempe voted down their uh, arena project. $2.1 billion arena project was shot down by voters. No prop received over 44% of support. Voters in the election chose a landfill over hockey. It's time to get it out of there. That thing is languished. Languished. And I won't be surprised if it doesn't get sold and then moved. They're going to sell the um, the Ottawa Senators for a record amount. Over a billion dollars for an NHL franchise. 
And Tempe doesn't want anything to do with that. That's on them. A gorgeous renderings. I get it. I am not a big spending public money for you know billionaires to have these nice things. I, I don't like it. I understand you can give some tax incentives here and there, but the money is just it, it's way overdone. What's a hockey team doing in Arizona anyway? They were playing in a college arena for Pete's sakes. Get them out of there. There's got to be another market that's going to do better than that. Just move it. It's got to get moved. Uh, and they moved it there, for Pete's sakes. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. Big thank you to Nick Yeoman again. We will get that interview up for you here. Go find it at the usual places tomorrow. Uh, it is a big month of May down in uh, Indianapolis, and uh, you, you know that the racetrack is uh, going to be crowded with all kinds of stuff. I think TCU Amphitheater's got a whole bunch of events, but uh, the Indy 11 have got a lot of stuff going on uh, here through the next couple of weeks, too, that coincide with all the racing. Uh, so we are going to talk with them tomorrow about those cool things that are going to be going on and get the family out and go and support the Indy 11. So that'll be tomorrow back here on the uh, Hammer Down Show. We hope to see you then. We're back at 3 o'clock to- talking local sports with you here on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. I will see you back here tomorrow.